for me personally, and I think for a lot of us in here, uh, the no-brainer, favorite holiday, absolutely the best, is Christmas. I mean, with Christmas, think about it. You get, you get presents. You get time with family. You get good, fu- you get good food. You get, listen, you get, uh, you get the good holiday music. You get all that good stuff. But most importantly, Christmas for us is really a time where we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And so it's got the holiday spirit all wrapped into it, the hot chocolate, all that stuff is going too. But really, it's about the birth of Jesus. That's what we celebrate. And so in this kind of Christmas series, I wanted to tonight look back. Look back to the very first Christmas because obviously we know what our Christmas is like. We know what the holiday kind of traditions are, the songs, the foods, the gifts that we get. But if you actually go back to the very first Christmas, it's not going to be a surprise to most of us, but it wasn't like our traditions today. As a matter of fact, the very first Christmas, the first Christmas when Jesus was born and showed up on the scene, it wasn't a big celebration. It wasn't a holiday tradition. As a matter of fact, there was a lot of people who felt like God had really let them down before Jesus got there. See, the way that we know this is is the Bible. The Bible that we have today, the one that you've maybe got in your hands or under your seat, the Bible is divided into really two kind of main parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And maybe you're new to church or you haven't been around that much in Old Testament, New Testament, that's confusing to you. Basically, I'll put it to you like this. The Old Testament, you could say, if the Bible is one big story, the Old Testament is kind of like the first part of that story. And then you've got the New Testament, that's kind of the second part of the story. So get this, at the time of Jesus' birth, the very first Christmas, only the Old Testament had been played out. Only the Old Testament had actually come to pass before Jesus was born. And so what preceded Jesus' birth was everything that happened in the Old Testament, where we have recorded in the Old Testament the experiences of the Jewish people as God spoke to them and moved through them. But as you get to the end of the Old Testament, we see a period of silence from God. There's actually, it's actually known as the 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so between kind of the last word of the Old Testament and the first word of the New Testament, for us here today, we can just turn the page and, and we're on to the rest of the story. But for the Jewish people who were actually living this out, there was a 400 year gap, 400 years of silence, 400 years of not hearing from God. Now get this, they knew that a Messiah was coming. They knew that that God had promised them a Savior would be born. But then they had to wait without hearing from God for 400 years before he was actually born. So if you can put yourself in that mindset, the first Christmas, the, the moment when Jesus was actually born, it had a much different meaning to those people than it made to us because we can look back on it, but to them it was coming on the heels of 400 years of not hearing from God. Now imagine that. Imagine, if you would, 400 years, 400 years of silence from God, having to wait for something for 400 years. For most of us in here, if we have to wait for something for five minutes or for an hour, it starts to get on our nerves a little bit, but this is talking 400 years. Uh, In the spirit of Christmas, I'll tell you, I loved Christmas as a kid. Absolutely, my favorite holiday. But the one thing, the one thing that always annoyed me about Christmas, the one thing that would would drive me crazy when I was a little kid, was having to wait to open my presents. You know what I'm talking about, right? 
You have presents under the tree. You've been asking for them all year long, and you can see them under there. They're wrapped. Sometimes you can go up, shake them, maybe see what they are. If they're Legos, dead giveaway, it rattles, you already know. But like you try and figure out what these presents are, but you know they're under the tree. You have to wait. You can't open them. It was torture for me as a little kid. I remember one particular instance as a third grader, probably the gift that I've wanted the most in my whole history of Christmas is right behind me. This gift right here, the gift that's actually in this bag was the gift that I asked for my entire third grade year. It was the gift that I, I remember when I could see, I could just tell by the box, I knew what it was. When my parents put it on the tray, I knew what it was, but I had to wait. I had to wait for Christmas. And I counted down the days, and the days felt like years because I wanted this toy so very bad. And finally, when I got to open it, oh, it was a glorious Christmas morning. And I still, just to, just to see the meaning, I still have it to this day. So you can tell it's meaningful. You can't take it. It's mine, all right? It's still meaningful to me to this day. It's not in perfect condition. Do you guys want to see what it is? This is not a joke. This is the gift that I asked for all year. I begged for it. Get out of here. And finally, after a long time, Now, some of you, some of you are looking at it, and you're like a little confused. You're like, like, what is that? I don't know what that is. I'll pray for you. If you do not know what this is, I'll pray for you. This right here is the Millennium Falcon from Star Wars. Han Solo right there. Still got him. Don't ever question me. Right there. This right here, this gift right here, I'm telling you, I asked for that gift all year. I waited all year, because I knew the only shot I had at getting this thing was Christmas. I waited all year for this gift to get here. And then finally, I knew it was under the tree, but I had to wait. Week after week, until finally Christmas arrived. And I, I'm pretty sure, just from your reaction, all of us in here have had some sort of experience like that. We've had something that we wanted. Maybe it was a gift. Maybe it was just a response from somebody. I don't know what it was. But we've all had something in here that we have wanted desperately but we've been forced to wait. Maybe you had to wait a day. Maybe you had to wait a week. Maybe you had to wait, maybe you had to wait four years, five years. I don't know. But we've all had the experience of waiting for things that we wanted. And so think about this. If we can all relate to that on really a superficial level of just waiting a few weeks or a few months to get a gift, imagine what it would have been like the very first Christmas for the Jewish people who all through the Old Testament, they've followed God and they've heard from him and they've, they've seen him speak and they've seen him perform miracles and all of the things that has happened leading up to this Christmas, leading up to the birth of Christ, they've gone through all of that, but then the silence happens and it's 400 years of waiting. See, my hope tonight is that we maybe start to understand Christmas from a little bit of a different perspective because when you see, when Jesus showed up for the very first Christmas when he was born, it was God's reminder to, to really all people that God's silence doesn't equal his absence. As a matter of fact, if you're taking notes tonight, you can write that down. That's, that's kind of our big idea that we're going after tonight, really is that God's silence doesn't equal his absence. 
This is the reminder that we actually get at that first Christmas. That first Christmas where before that it was quiet, it was silent, it was a long period of waiting, no one had heard from God. And the funny thing is, that's where many of us will find ourselves. That's where a lot of us get into that part with our relationship with God where we feel like there's some silence or there's some waiting or there's something we haven't heard back on. And so I want to just kind of unpack this idea of waiting because this isn't just something that's hard for us to understand in our relationship with God. This is something that's difficult for us to grasp in our lives in general. I mean, if you think about it, it, even outside of a relationship with God, we have a hard time believing that someone or something is working when we can't actually see it. Like, if we don't have clear evidence, if we can't see or hear or see very just tangible evidence that something is working or something is happening, it's hard for us to sometimes believe that anything even is happening. I'll share an example with you that it really just may be an example of how dumb I am. I'm not sure, but I'll share it anyways. A few months ago, a few months back, my wife actually gave birth to our first child. And so we're really excited, yeah. Really excited, big moment for us. A uh, little girl um, named Maya Isabel. I think we might have some pictures of her that we can show. She's adorable. Um, so that's her. Yeah, she's, she's cute. She's a midget. She's, she's tiny. Um, absolutely. That's her on Thanksgiving with a turkey. She ate that whole thing. Um, no, not really. But uh, a few months back, we, we actually, my wife gave birth to our first child. Her name is Maya. She's adorable. She's actually hilarious right now. She... Um, my wife told me the other day, this is like a week back, she took her to go play with some other babies because I guess that's what babies do. They, babies play with each other and they sit around and I actually don't know what they do. I've never thought about that. But the babies sit around and they do baby stuff. But she told me, she said one of, she said one of the, uh, the moms at the little baby play date was taking her baby around and she had this little boy baby and she was going around and she was, she was like making him give kisses to all the little girl babies. Like, here you go. Here's a little kiss. Here's a little kiss. And she said, no joke. She said, she brought her up to Maya and said, Here, here's a little kiss. And, and my daughter, who can barely even hold her head up, she said, she just kind of sits up and just slaps the little boy baby in the face. Just like a little baby slap. Like, it probably wasn't even intentional, but I seriously had a proud dad moment when she told me. I was like, yes, I want my daughter to, to beat up all the, the boy babies, I guess. I don't know. That's what I want. But So, that, so anyways, all that to say, about a year back, rewind a little bit, it's when my wife actually kind of broke the news to me that she was pregnant, right? And um, she had this really, like, she thought it was going to be really sweet, you know, bless her heart. And, like, she had, like, the camera set up, like, I'm going to get this reaction of him, and he's going to be, like, crying, and, like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be a dad. And she gets it all set up, and she, like, lays out a little baby onesie on the counter and, like, 20 pregnancy tests, and then she's, like, all right, got it all. And and I come in the room, and she says, uh, she says to me, she says, hey, um, guess what? You know, I'm like, what? You know, I'm so dumb. I'm looking at everything. I'm like, what? You got a tiny little shirt? I don't know. And she says, I'm pregnant. The first thing, and I feel bad about this now because she thought I was gonna have this great reaction. But the first thing I said, I go, no, you're not. (laughs) And she's sort of surprised. She's like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm pregnant. Like, this is amazing. It's what we wanted. I say, you're not pregnant. I'm, honey, I'm pregnant. Look, all the pregnancy tests. And I kind of look at it. Like, how sure are you? Like, I'm 100% sure. I'm like, you're 100%? 
I'm not kidding. We have the video of it because she thought it was going to be like special. It's literally 10 minutes of me arguing with her. Like, are you sure you're pregnant? Are you sure? You don't, you know, you don't, you don't look pregnant. You don't, you're not like throwing up with morning sickness. I can't, I, I've, I don't know why, like I, I understand now, but for some reason I couldn't get my head around the fact that I'm not, like I'm not seeing anything. I'm not, I can't, I just didn't understand that just because I couldn't see something or I couldn't see an immediate result in that moment, it didn't mean that things weren't happening. You know what I mean? I, I, I just couldn't understand that. And so I think this isn't just a, a sometimes something that's tough for us with our relationship with God, but it can go across all areas of our life. Sometimes when we don't see something or hear something, it's very easy for us to believe that nothing's happening. But the funny thing is something was happening, and nine months later, a little baby girl pops out, and she's breathing, and she's smiling, and oh my gosh, it, is, it was amazing. And, and the way the timing worked, it, it was perfect. But the whole point of that is really to say that just because we can't see something, just because we can't always hear something, just because we don't always have the tangible evidence right in front of our face, it doesn't mean that nothing's happening. And, and the same is true in our relationship with God. You see, if you go back to this story uh, of kind of just the very first Christmas, and you look at it from the, pers- from the perspective of the Jewish people who all through the Old Testament, all through the first part of this story, have heard from God and have interacted with him and had this closeness with God. And then there's this 400 years just silent treatment, this 400-year period where it seems like God's just gone. And, and you've got to imagine the, the people at that time are thinking the same thing that we would be thinking, like, did I, did I do something to make God angry at me? Did I do something wrong? Like, am I, am I bad in some way that I, I've made it where God's being quiet now? And after 400 years, we see the Savior does come. And the very first chapter of the New Testament, Matthew's the first book in the New Testament, the very first chapter of Matthew is a giant list of names, a giant list of people's names, kind of a genealogy going all the way down through a bunch of people's names. And when you get to Matthew verse 16, it simply says, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. So you get to the New Testament, and the very first thing you see in the New Testament is, boom, Jesus is born. Boom, the Messiah is here. And we can look at it from our perspective and think, man, that was just the turn of a page. That that was was just a few lines down the page when we completely can miss that it was 400 years of waiting. I think sometimes uh, we, we can get a little confused with our relationship with God. I think sometimes we can almost buy into this lie that our relationship with God, man, if we're doing it right, there, there shouldn't be a lot of waiting involved. Sweet lightsaber. We think if we're doing this thing, if we're doing our relationship with God right, there shouldn't be any waiting. There shouldn't be any times when God is silent or when we don't hear from him. And when there is a period where we have to wait, or there is a time where we feel like maybe God's silent or we don't feel as close to him as we used to, we start to panic. We start to get stressed out. We feel anxiety. What did I do wrong? What did I, what did I do to kind of cause this separation from God? And so that's what I want to talk about because these, the people in this scripture, they were 400 years waiting, 400 years of silence. And so I want to talk a, a little bit tonight just about the waiting side of things. Maybe, how do we live in the midst of silence? 
How do we live when we feel like, man, we're not hearing from God like we used to? Maybe things are a bit quieter. So let's talk about waiting. I, uh, I did a little bit of research, as much as I could with Google, on waiting. And I found a, uh, a little research study, and basically what they said is the average person will spend two to three years of their life waiting. That's waiting in lines, maybe waiting in traffic, maybe waiting to get a text back from somebody. But you're spending two to three years waiting. Now, let me just ask this. As far as, as, far as waiting for a text back, I'll just own it. I'm a bad texter, okay? I said it. I'm not good at it. People text me all the time. Sometimes I text back in five minutes. Sometimes I text back in five hours. I just forget people, okay? Just forgive me for that. But I wanted to ask you, what in your mind, because I literally want to survey the crowd. In your mind, what is an acceptable amount of time to text somebody back? Like, how long can you wait realistically? Hang on. I'm going to give you some choices. I'm going to give you some choices. Show of hands, if you think someone should text you back in less than, in less than 20 minutes, raise your hand. If you think less than 20 minutes, you're like, you need to text me back in less than 20. Like at least less than 20. Okay. Who would say, you need to, you need to text me back in less than 10 minutes? Like definitely get a text back in less than 10. Okay. What about text back, like, you're serious about this, I want a text back in less than two minutes. Who would say that? Like, less than two. A few? I'm just going to ask, who in here would say, listen, you've got your phone, we all have our phones, you know when you get a text, you should respond in less than 30 seconds. Who is that? Like, respond in less than 30 seconds? Okay. So there's some of us, there's some, there's some variety in the crowd here. But hey, I, I know for a fact, wh- whether it's, it's 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 10 seconds, whatever it is, everybody in here hates waiting. We do. We hate waiting in lines. We hate waiting for texts. As a matter of fact, uh, I snagged a couple of screenshots of some people waiting for a reply to a text that if, 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 this, is a, like, if this is a pet peeve of yours, this may cause some anxiety when you see this. Let's go ahead and throw the first one up there. It says, hey, Kelly, it's Jackson. I was wondering if you'd like to go out with me this weekend. Does that create anxiety in anybody just like waiting to see the reply there? Like that's, it, it makes me tense. All right, let's see the next one. Hey, coach, it's Marcus. Did I make the team? I don't think you did. If you're having a text, you didn't make it. All right, next one. Hey, do you want to sneak out tonight and go to the party? That's, I guess, not a really, that one's not that tense. Anyways. Oh, is there a second part? Oh, this is your dad. You're a moron. So, no, I don't want to sneak out, and you're grounded. Wow. Yikes. Well, <laughs> I, think, I think one thing that we can all agree on in this room, what, wherever you stand, is that we, we really don't like waiting. We just don't. Whatever it is that you have to wait for, we don't like it. But this is what I know, and really what all of us know, is that waiting is a part of life. 
As much as we hate it, waiting is a normal part of life. As much as we try and avoid it, right? We try and get the, fa- you know, the fastest download, the fast everything that we can on our phone. We do not, like we don't microwave stuff. We want to do everything we can to minimize waiting. But no matter how we kind of try and make it happen, waiting is a part of life. And definitely I'd say that waiting is a part of our relationship with God. Uh, I, if I could, I, I want to illustrate this a little bit for us on the, on the whiteboard here. Um, and, and I think it, it's kind of simple, and I think we'd agree once we see this, but I'm going to write out a, a simple illustration right here I'm just going to put today. This is just going to represent you and me where we're at today. Now, down on this end, I'm going to write two words. I'm going to write the words hope for. Hope for. And what that represents, that represents really the things that we, the things that we hope for, the dreams that we have. Maybe that's, maybe that's the dream of just graduating high school and being done. Maybe that is the dream of making the team. Maybe that's the, that's the person that you're praying for that, man, I want to see that person step, step into church for the first time. Maybe that's a, a family relationship you want to see healed. Whatever it is, whatever your hope for is, we can all put something there. Basically, this is where we're at today, and, and down here on the other end is where we want to be someday. We all have that, right? We all have things we want, and we all realize where we're at now. We may not have all of those things. And so if this is where we're at, this is where we want to be, this line in between right here, this is the waiting. And for the most part, this in-between area, this middle line, that's where we all live. We live in the waiting. We like to think that we could live in the hope-for zone down there. We like to think that we could just basically live in a perpetual state of getting the new things we want and having breakthroughs and, and getting things and winning things, but the reality is we don't. The reality is we live in this waiting period. And, and what's funny is, we can get so caught up in thinking that waiting is a bad thing and that maybe when there's a little bit of silence from God, it's such a bad thing, it causes an anxiety in us, it causes a fear in us when we experience it. But really what I would argue tonight to you is that waiting and sometimes silence is a completely normal part of our relationship with God. As a matter of fact, when you look into Scripture, you see countless examples I mean, really, all of kind of the famous Bible stories, the people stories who we read in Scripture, they had a massive period of waiting in their life. For exa- and we'll just, we're just going to hit a couple of them. But for example, you have King David. We talk about King David. He, he's, a, he's kind of a famous Bible character. And, and in the beginning, you see that David is anointed to be king. Samuel anoints David, and he tells this guy, you're going to be king. So you think, okay, that's a good day for David. But when we actually read his story, we see that David had to wait an additional 15 to 20 years to actually become king. Now, we don't focus on that waiting part. We read the story and we think, oh, King David, he's the king. He did awesome stuff, man. He, he kind of had all these things that he hoped for and he had a great life. We, we, we forget about that 15 to 20-year waiting period. Or you look at the story of Abraham. In Genesis, when God tells Abraham, Abraham, I, I'm going to give you so many kids. You're going to have tons of descendants He tells him that when he's 75 years old, but it's not until an additional 25 years later when he's 100 that that promise is actually fulfilled and it actually starts to take place. 
Abraham's waiting for 25 years. But we don't think about that. We just think about, man, Abraham, he's kind of this great character in the Bible. You know, Father Abraham had many sons. I mean, if you know the children's ministry, that's how they do it. You know, it's like, man, Father Abraham, he was just a man, and he had these breakthroughs, and he had these promises from God. And we just completely kind of skip over the 25-year waiting period for that promise to be fulfilled. And then even the story that we, that we just read today of when we can look at the birth of Christ and we can think, man, that's, that's celebration. Like Jesus is here, the Savior's here, the Messiah is here, and that is a complete celebration. But don't overlook the people who waited for 400 years in silence. For 400 years where it was more or less quiet, 400 years of waiting for the Messiah to show up for Jesus to arrive. And so I I could keep going. We could keep going through and finding more and more Bible stories where there's waiting. Yet for some reason today, for some reason in our lives, I think we we are so against waiting in our culture. We're so against, man, I mean, you you know how you hate waiting. If somebody comes up to you, this is, this is my number one pet peeve. Somebody comes up to me and they're like, dude, I got to show you this video, man. This, this is the funniest video ever. <sighs> okay, show me the video. If the, listen, if the video is longer than a minute and 30 seconds, get out of my face right now. You know what I mean? Like people are trying to, hey, I got to show you this video. It's like eight minutes. This isn't worth it. You know, I, I can't even wait. We, we live in a culture where it's like we can't even wait for a video that long. We want like the fast clips, the instant stuff. We're so against the waiting. We're so against that that. I think it's crept into our relationship with God a little bit. And we've labeled this idea of waiting, of maybe feeling like there's some silence where we're not hearing something from God right away. We've labeled it a bad thing. Maybe it's a normal thing. And so tonight, the last thing I want to give you guys is really three things. Three kind of practical things. Because if we're here tonight and we can all agree, okay, waiting and perhaps silence isn't an abnormal part of our relationship with God. Maybe it's, maybe it's a normal part. Maybe what we should do is we should learn how to wait well. We, we should maybe learn how to get good at waiting. Maybe there's a way that we could wait in the silence that would honor God. And so that's, that's what I want to kind of challenge you with. I'm, I'm going to give you three things. I want to give you three things, three ways to wait, I guess you could say. Because we're all gonna hit the quiet parts. We're all gonna hit the waiting period. So here's what I'll give you. The very first thing, the very first kind of way to wait is simple. Slow down. If you're taking notes, it's in your notes. Slow down. I think a lot of times, it's not that God is silent in our lives but we just have so much, so many other things going on that we can't hear him. I think sometimes we have so many other voices that are turned up so loudly in our life that even if God was to speak to us, we wouldn't hear it because we have all these other voices that are going. And so for some of us here tonight, maybe the key Maybe it's not that God's even being silent. Maybe he is speaking to you, but you've got too much other stuff going on in your life, too much other stuff moving 100 miles an hour where you, where you could even hear him. And I think sometimes we, we get in this idea where we say, man, I never hear from God. I feel like God never speaks to me. I feel like I never hear from him. But the reality is we don't take the time to listen. 
So that would be the first thing I would tell you. It's when we wait, let's slow down. Let, let's maybe take the time to listen in. That kind of leads us right into our, sec- our second thing. The second way to wait is to keep listening. It's to keep listening. Sometimes what can happen to us is when, when we feel like, man, I'm not hearing from God, or my relationship with him doesn't feel like it used to be, or I'm not getting as much out of church, or I'm not getting as much out of reading the Bible as I used to, is what our instinct can kind of be is to step away from those things. It's to say, all right, I need to take a break, or I need to back off. And so I would just encourage you, if you're in a place where you feel like, man, I'm not hearing from God, don't, don't step out of church. Don't say, I'm going to come to church less, or I'm going to read my Bible less, because that's going to be the number one way that God actually does speak to you. The number one way God speaks to us is through his word. And so if, if you're saying, man, I feel like it's silent right now, I feel like it's quiet, I feel like I'm waiting, don't, don't take away the one way that God would, would speak to you, which is going to be his word. And, and, this, and the third and kind of final thing that I'll give you, the third and final way is to squat up. What? Squat up? Here's what that means. Simply surround yourself with a good team. Surround yourself with at least one or two people who when you're walking through that quiet time, when you're walking through the waiting period, when you're walking through the period where it's silent and you don't hear anything, you have people by your side who can encourage you. You have people by your side who can say, hey, you're struggling with your faith right now, you can borrow mine. Because that's gonna be, the, that's gonna be one of the main ways that we're able to press through these waiting times and these quiet times. And so I guess really what I would say to you tonight as we close out is, if you're in a place tonight where you feel like, man, I'm in the waiting, or I'm in, this, I'm in a silent place right now, like I feel like I'm not hearing from God at all, Man, just let me encourage you. If anything, let Christmas be an encouragement to you that just because God is silent, it doesn't mean that he's absent. It doesn't mean that he's mad at you. It doesn't mean that he's abandoned you. As a matter of fact, he, he's, he's near, and, and he loves you. And so it's my hope, my prayer that this Christmas, that it would not just be just a celebration for us, but also a reminder of that. Let me pray for you guys tonight.